the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now, let me pause for a moment and clarify this. While he was with God, we might want to make the case he needed to be alone with God. I don't know so much that he needed to be alone with God because he was fully God. At the same time, he was man, so there was that need to connect with God the Father, in a sense. I think there's a a greater lesson in here. I think the greater lesson is that he is modeling his entire life for us. People have needs, we serve them. We minister to them. At the same time, in the midst of all of that, we cannot reach everybody. We cannot teach everybody. We cannot heal everybody. We cannot resolve everybody's problem and conflict. We do what we can. But at the same time, as a premier value of serving others, oh, watch this, is to serve ourselves for a moment and get alone with God. And so you've got to withdraw from service to be quiet. Now that was part one. Notice part two. Pick it up at the period there and it says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the other towns, the next towns, that I may preach there also, because of this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues of all Galilee and they healed demons. Here's my simple point is this. If you will, maybe want to look up here and I'll kind of do it with my arms again. He was dealing with the people in this location. He then quietly went up, got up early the next morning, tired perhaps as his physicalness was, and he went out and he walked out to a quiet place to pray, solitary place to be with God the Father. They finally found them there and he said, come on Jesus, back to these people here. But Jesus says, but in there we're going to the next town. So you'll never be able to complete everything. You'll never be able to get it all done. There'll always be another town. There'll always be another city. There'll always be another phone call. There'll always be another job. There'll always be another thing you have to do. But in between those two, the past and the future, sometimes you've got to carve out the present to be alone with God. He was our model, withdrawing from service to be quiet. And then finally, he withdrew from schedules. Society, from service, and from schedules. It says here, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve whom he also named as apostles. Now I'm going to read a little bit more into this and I hope I'm not uh, doing injustice uh, exegetically to this passage. I don't think I am, but I think there's something we can draw from this. In other words, when he was by himself, he was preparing to select out of a bunch of people who were following him, 12 guys that he was then going to build more of his time of his life into them because he knew that he only had three years left and he's going to release them. 
So he now gets away from the schedule of healing, preaching, casting out demons, all that stuff, and he gets alone, and now he spends the evening in prayer, the whole night in prayer, awake in prayer, because he's about ready, watch this now, to make a major decision in his life that would affect his legacy, our legacy, and the entire world. And so he took that time to be quiet. He didn't confer with anybody, he didn't read any books, obviously he didn't have to. But he did get alone. And I'm wondering again if there's a model in that. That you might be facing a major decision in your life. It could be career altering. It could be hiring. It could be anything that affects your money, your finances. Purchasing a house, purchasing a car, purchasing a, a plasma screen TV. Whatever it might be. That we just go so quickly because we have so much and we rely too much on our own um, ability to make these decisions then maybe modeling after Christ, realizing that every decision has benefits and potential consequences. And quietness is the way that we'll be able to allow the dust to settle on all this information and allow the sparkling gold of the right choice to be seen. And so perhaps we have to break away from our schedules long enough again to allow all that information to kind of sift its way so the truth comes to us by God. Here he did it by prayer. Here's a phrase for you. You might want to cogitate, think on this, meditate on it. Busyness can cause barrenness. Some of us think we're very full, but really our busyness has made us bare, barren. All right, and finally we'll end with this. What could I do to demonstrate quietness in my life? I'm ready to do that. I know I need to have some quietness in my life. What, what might it be? So by the power of God, to glorify Him, I'm going to do a couple of things, three things, four things here. First of all, I need to learn when to say no to people so I can say yes to God. There's a time in our life that we have to say that uh, two-letter word, no. And we say no to people, but we say yes to God. I'd like you to look at the verse I have for you there. It's found in Zechariah. And it says this, Be silent, all flesh, so that would include man, woman, boy, and girl, whether you're a teacher or a student, whether you're a parent or a grandchild, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're a professional, or whether you're a laborer, whether you're a church person or not. It says, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for He is aroused from His holy Habitation. He is aroused. from. That's, he's here. He's waiting. He's ready to go. Be quiet before Him. So we can say yes to Him. Next, learn when service to God means listening to Him first. I wonder how many ministries and businesses and organizations and maybe even relationships have begun so fast before we ever listen to God first. This verse says, Be silent. Before me, you islands, let the nations renew their strength. Now, if I might just say this, earlier on in my message, I was giving illustrations of how much the Lord prayed. Sometimes there's a time you get alone with God, you get alone by yourself, and you don't even pray. You just sit there, and supernaturally, you begin to meditate on Scripture, begin to take Scripture and God and run God through Scripture to make sure that the God you're thinking about is the God of Scripture and not some other man-made God or some religious God out there. And just think about Him. And you be still. Now, folks, I want you to listen to me with all my heart. 
Would you listen to what I'm about to say? God wants to communicate with you. God wants to connect with you. Not because he's lonely and has a need, but because we need the connection with him. We need to listen. One of the um, more painful times as a parent, there's a bunch of kids. You'll be a parent, you'll know what I mean, but, but sometimes when you get older, you're beyond the uh, spanking age or any of that, and now we're at the stage that we're trying to communicate to you. The most painful thing is when parents are speaking to you and mom and dad know that you aren't listening. You're quiet. You are there. Some of your body language might show to them that you're listening, but you're so good at sin management that you're thinking you're convincing them that you're listening, but in reality... You're rolling your eyes, you're shutting yourself off, all you're hearing is just verbiage, and you're not really hearing their heart. Some of you are smart enough now, so your argument is, why are they telling me this? They got faults in their own life, and so what we do is we throw out any good just because they haven't lived it. Well, even if they didn't live it, and they're hypocrites, and they have all sorts of problems, if what they're saying is still truth, embrace it. You've got to listen. And sometimes in our quietness with God, He's speaking to us not to rebuke us, but He's trying to comfort us. He's trying to encourage us. He's trying to vision cast for us so we can connect better to Him. And He says, would you just be still? Let me speak to you. Just quiet for a moment. Number three, we need to learn to arrange my time for extended periods to be alone with God. Sometimes it requires a lot of time to be alone with God or frequent periods of short times with Him, but times where it's quiet. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So I'm wondering sometimes the longer I'm quiet, the more strength I might have. All right, and then finally number four is, I like this one. If you want to, you can put a star by this one. Learn to be still to learn God's word. Look at it. it. says, listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Well, I wanted to end with this for this reason. <clears throat> because here I'm looking at is a man named Job and to whom... Or what is being spoken to him is this. Job, you've got a lot of problems. You lost your family, you lost your wealth, you've lost your health, and you've got a wife that's kind of growling at you. You've lost your friends, they're nothing more than miserable comforters. And so here you've got Job with all sorts of problems with his life, as godly as an individual as he was. You may be that same way. You've gone through a lot of loss and you're trying to play catch-up financially, relationally, career-wise, and you're trying to make it all work and try to get ahead. And maybe for just a moment what you can do is to say this. Instead of me trying to crawl my way back from where I've fallen behind or for me to try to solve all my problems, I'm going to just be still for a moment. I'm going to listen to the Lord and I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be strengthened by truth. And to be strengthened by truth, I'm going to focus on the wonderful works of God. And I got thinking about, for you all, if I was to submit, all right, 
what work should I think about? Well, we could go off in a big litany about creation, especially since we live here in Hawaii. Look at all the things that he has made here. Don't you enjoy driving around the island just to see the different colored water that we have? If you do, say, uh-huh. When I go swimming, it's like swimming in Windex, you know, someone told me. I thought, it's beautiful, isn't it? Gorgeous. Oh, we could talk about those wonderful works, and they are. And we could fight for the beautiful, wonderful works that God has made to keep it clean and go into the green thing. But at the same time, we could also look at other wonderful works. But if I could only leave you with one, because as good as the earth is and as good as different things that God has done in your life, that probably won't have quite as much of an eternal impact on you. So if I had to select one work of God for you to be still and listen and see that one work of God in your quietness, it would be the work of God that would connect you to Him for all eternity in the glories of heaven. If you will, for a moment, look above this and you're going to see our cross. The greatest work of God for us on an eternal way, fashion, would be when God said, I'm going to come to this earth as a human being, but be God still. And so Christ, who is God, was born of a virgin, grew up a perfect sinless life, modeled Christianity, taught as a teacher Christianity to another generation, commanded them to teach that to other generations till today and in the future. As great as all that is, he ended his earthly life for the time when he went to the cross. Now some people would look at that and say, oh, there's Christ, he's a religious leader of Christianity and he got a bum rap, we all saw the movie, The Passion of Christ, and so he died upon the cross, horrible thing. But oh, what a great man he was to start Christianity because of all that he suffered when he went to the cross. And let me tell you something, it had nothing to do with that. It wasn't to start a new religion, Christianity. The purpose he went to the cross is because he existed before he was born. He was here when the world was formulated. He is God, so he is from everlasting to everlasting. When man was created, he knew that man would fall into sin, and we have sin today. And he knew that the only way that that sin could be removed is through the payment that would be made. He said, when you pay for it, you'll spend eternity in hell forever paying for it. He made it that way. He said, because I can't have sinful people in heaven with me. You'll never get there. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live this perfect life. I'm going to go to the cross. And when I go to the cross, I'm going to pay for sin through death, just like you. But there's a difference. I'm going to take all your sin on me. You have no sin. I have no sin. You have all the sin. I'm going to take all your sin on myself. And when I do that, I'm now going to satisfy God by paying for that sin when I die on the cross. So when Jesus died, he shed his blood for us. His body was broken for us, and then he died on that cross when he took that moment of sin forever. And then when he died, he rose again from the dead, and he did that to display some things. One is to prove that he said he would come back from life, come back from the dead, rather. He proved that he had victory over death, he had victory over sin, he had victory over Satan, he had victory over hell. And he showed himself alive. And it didn't surprise me. I hope it doesn't surprise you. He could do that. Why? He's God. But when he did it, he took your sin 2,000 years ago. Now, this isn't my denomination, our religion telling you this. I'm just giving it to you from the Bible. 
So don't worry about your background, what religion or denomination that you have. It doesn't matter right now. What does matter is what you do with Christ. So your quietness is to listen to Him as He speaks to you about salvation. I'm going to visualize it for you in a moment, and then I'm going to give you a verse, and I want you to listen to the very words of Christ, because this is the work you want to listen to that will send you into eternity of heaven. All right, visually, look up here. Let my right hand represent you and me and my wallet's sin. The Bible says we all have sin on this. The Bible says because I'm a sinner, I'm separated from him, and when I die, I'll spend eternity there. The Bible says to go to heaven, I've got to be perfect, but I have sin on me. The Bible also says no good deed I do myself will get rid of that sin. It is good to be good, everybody. Social good deeds, religious good deeds, all good. But when you rely on that thinking they'll get you to heaven, very bad. Because God says, nope, it's not that. So then when we do these things in order to get to heaven, then what we're really doing is dishonoring and disobeying God. And so he says, that's not how you do it. So good works don't get you to heaven. Now let my left hand represent God who took on flesh, Christ. Here am I with my sin. Jesus Christ says, my sin separates me from him. The Bible says that he loves me, but he hates my sin. Now you're listening. Now you're listening to the wonderful works of God. God then said, my son's going to come. Jesus then said, he took all of our sin on himself when he died. That was a work that he did. He took all of our sin on himself. He then died and he rose again from the dead. That was work. That was his deed that he did for us. He rose again from the dead. Now his other deed is to communicate to you what you need to do to have eternal life. He did that by telling his disciples to tell everybody else that knows Christ as Savior to now tell everybody. So now I'm here today as a result of what he taught 2,000 years ago so you would hear it. That's a work of God to keep it going. And you're here today, part of that work. Contemplate it. Be quiet and listen to him. Now I'm going to quote the Bible verse. For God so loved the world. Listen to him. Jesus spoke. That's you. God loves you. Whatever your past is, he loves you. No qualifier. He loves you. That whoever you are, if you believe on him, you wouldn't perish in hell, but have everlasting life. Let me quote it right from Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave, that's his work, his only son on the cross, when he died, rose again. That whoever you are, if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have everlasting life. Now, if there was one moment to be quiet, it's the moment that you have been quiet now. If there was ever a time to listen to God, it's to listen to his word, not me, his word. And he said, Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. That's contemplating the greatest work of God was on the cross of Calvary. This old earth is going to crack apart. But you will last forever if you trust Christ as your Savior. Would you do that? Let's bow our heads close our eyes. Let's take a moment for that. We're not talking church membership. We may never see you again. I'm speaking to every guest here. I'm speaking to some of our people that have been here a long time. But to have that quietness Now is the time to have that momentary act of contemplation upon God. God loves you. 
He's proved his love toward you. And while you're yet sinning, Jesus died and he rose again. And he said to you that the only thing you can do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so you can have everlasting life. Now, my friend, I pray that you do that. You're not here by accident. God allowed you to come, invited you to be here. He laid this particular message upon my heart. It's one we all need, including your, your preacher here, your pastor. And so in quietness, let's be still and know that He is God. Let's be still and know that He is exalted above all the nations, whether they exalt Him or not. He will be exalted. And that the Lord of hosts is with us right now. And I believe at this very moment, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, He is now sending His Spirit to you to remind you that you need a Savior because you're a sinner. And that He says, I quickly want you to know I love you, I will forgive you. Now turn to me as your Savior. Would you do that? Would you right now, as if you're up on a mountain, praying to the Father and say, Lord, I want you to know that I am thankful that you died and rose again. I am receiving you as my personal Savior right now. Would you do that? Now, I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm not going to come down, come in the crowd here. But I want to know if you're trusting Christ as your Savior. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't get you to heaven. I want you to know that just trusting Christ is. But I want to know if you've trusted Christ in here today. So if today is the day that you've trusted Him and you're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, but the best to know how, I'm going to trust Christ to give me eternal life. And you'd like for me to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Would you slip up your hand right now so I can see it? Is there anyone at all but an uplifted hand? Indicating to me that you're trusting Christ. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Those of you that are doing that now, you might want to let me know in that little card that's put in your little worship folder there. And just put your name and phone number and just check in there that, yep, today is the day I trusted Christ. But I didn't want to raise my hand. I promise you no one will look at that card. It'll come directly to my desk. And I'm going to pray for you there. So maybe you want to do it more privately, which is fine. And I love you for that. Now let me just speak to the rest of you about quietness. Did God speak to you today about purposely going into a world of quietness? You know, it says better is a dry morsel with quietness. That means better for just a little crumb than a house full of feasting when there's strife around. So there is value in quietness. It may not be in what you possess, but it will be in who possesses you. Better is a handful of quietness than having your hands full, just bound together with toil and grasping the wind, just so much motion and commotion. So better is a handful with a little bit, but have quietness. So maybe the lack of quietness is due because we are trying to pursue too much stuff, too many relationships, instead of maybe realizing the most important relationship is a quiet one, resting in God. How many of you would like to have prayer because you know you can make some decisions in your life that you can control and you are now going to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, 
I want to be quiet. I want to have the balance you had to be around the crowds, be around individuals, and to know when to be alone. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help me so that I can be properly balanced in the area of quietness. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here that would like me to pray for you? God bless you. Amen. Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know that it is good for us to be quiet. It's also good for us to be busy when we need to be busy. And we need to have the wisdom to know the difference between the two and when we need to do each. And Lord, I'm so grateful because you have modeled it. You've given us the spirit that you will now help us to do this and that we will reap the benefits. I especially pray for our young people here because I am so excited about where they're going and their walk with you. And now, Father, I pray that they would begin to embrace a time of quietness away from the computers, away from the phones, away from the things that would distract them. Set it all aside, knowing that it's okay, you'll take care of all the stuff left undone and that they would be alone with you. Not sleeping, not daydreaming, but alone contemplating you. Now, Father, I pray that this would be as much of a habit in their life as eating and taking a shower is. And, Father, that they would live that balanced life. Now, Father, I love you and I thank you for today. And help us now to be properly quiet. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.